Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo. And here we are. <laughs> here we are for another week. For another week of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. And this week I'm in Tulum. I'm in Tulum. I've been here many times. And I do love it here. I love the jungle. I love being in this part of the world. And when I say this part of the world, I don't mean Tulum proper. Like I don't mean Tulum as a town. What I mean is the energy of life. What I mean is the energy of flora, the trees, the, the plants, the, the grass, and the fauna. All the things, all the birds, all the insects, all the mammals, all the creepy crawlies. <laughs> and so when I say this part of the world, really what I mean, brothers, is I mean the Dagobah system. You know, I mean life. I mean where life is, where the jungle is. And this could be Bali, could be Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. I spent many, many years in Southeast Asia. Could be Colombia, Costa Rica, Ecuador. Spent many, many, many moons in these places of the world as well. And I just have this feeling, you know, I just love the way it feels to be surrounded by so much life, so many beings, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So here we are, here we are again <laughs> in Tulum. And I just want to quickly mention to you guys that the power is out here, as it often is in Tulum. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever been to Tulum, but the power goes out quite often. So if during the podcast you hear a, a beeping or a power, you know, you may hear a, a power switch back on because I actually had the fan running before the power went out. It's been out for hours, though, so it may not come back on during the course of this recording. Brothers, what I'm going to talk to you about today, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with karma. As you know, I've talked to you guys a little bit about karma in the past and the past podcast episodes. And with last week being on perspective and perfection, you know, if you remember last week's podcast, it was on warm hand, cold hand, <laughs> east side, west side, heads and tails, right? And that's perspective, you know, to keep a knowing that perspective is perspective. Perspective is not right or wrong. It's a viewpoint. It's a way of seeing things. It's a way of how you relate. A way of how you relate to the world, whether it's east side of the mountain or west side of the mountain. You say, I'm standing on the east side, so the mountain is this way. And another person is standing on the west side, so the mountain is that way. It's the same mountain. It's still the mountain. And your truth is the west side or the east side. That is your truth. But it is not the absolute truth. It's not the total truth. It's just your perspective. And it's how we relate to others. If you remember the warm hand, cold hand, 
know, you hold your partner's hand and she may have a cold hand, but it doesn't mean that her hand is cold. It could mean that your hand is warm. Your perspective, the way you relate, is that she has a cold hand. That's your judgment. That's how your relationship is. Your relationship comes from your judgment. It comes from your perspective. Because she could easily say, well, I, my hand is, is not cold. Your hand is warm. Which is what happened in the park that day I was meditating. And brothers, when we understand this, when we really understand perspective, we can begin to let go. We can begin to see the, not just the perspective of others, but the absolute perspective of all things. If you remember the puzzle of life, we all have our own perspective. We all have our own piece of the puzzle. And if you're a piece of grass in this puzzle, then you may not understand the perspective of someone who is a piece of sky because their perspective is blue and your perspective is green. And you may not understand this, but it doesn't make them wrong any more than it makes you right. And so we need to really understand how we engage with our perspectives. And that is the journey. That's the spiritual journey. The spiritual journey is not discerning other people's perspectives. It's discerning our own perspectives in relationship to know where our perspective is coming from. Is it coming from, you must be right, you must be changed to be right with me? Or is it, I see you in your perspective and I see myself in my perspective? and we can get along in these perspectives. And then the other message was perfection. There's no such thing as coincidence. Coincidence is a word that we can remove from our vocabulary, just as we remove the word can't. Because with God, all things is possible. All things are possible. We remove the word can't. But we can remove the word coincidence as well because nothing happens out of what is meant to happen which is the same to say is everything happens for a reason. <laughs> everything happens because it must, and that's perfection. Everything is perfect. Everything is happening according to harmony, according to divinity, according to the perfect flow. Now, I just wanted to quickly remind you, brothers, of that as we move into today's episode, because when I talk about karma and I talk about reincarnation, for some of you, this may be very difficult to hear, because of your perspective. <laughs> it may be very difficult for you to hear this message because you may have a perspective, a conditioning, a background, teaching, a belief that there is no karma, there is no reincarnation, that we just live once and that's it. For others, it may be very easy to hear. For others of you out there, this may be, oh, yes, I understand this. I understand exactly what you're saying. I understand I've been taught karma. I've been taught reincarnation since, you know, it's a part of your conditioning to be taught these things. But understand that this is just a story. It's just an analogy. It's just a way of explaining the harmony, the flow of life, how we're all here together, how we're all here together in unity, how we're all here together in oneness. Even the words I use don't matter. Because the words I use are just, they're just to play with your intellect. You know, they're just to, just to engage your mind. It's, you know, you hear these words, you may filter them through your mind, through your conditioning, and then you may either accept them or reject them, depending on your conditioning, your perspective. But it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is not what I say. It's how you feel as I say it. It's the transmission of energy that comes through the words, not the words themselves. 
and to pay attention to how you feel, to pay attention to what goes on within you, that is the journey. That is the spiritual process, to be attentive to your inner world. And so I'm going to talk about an analogy called the karmic clock, which again comes from a teacher of mine. This is not mine. This is something that my teacher has taught. And it has to do with time. It has to do with perfection. It has to do with acceptance and non-judgment. It has to do with even understanding yourself and where you may be in your journey. And so we begin with a clock. We begin with a 12-hour clock. <laughs> yes, we're talking about a 12-hour clock. Not a 24-hour day, brothers, but just a 12-hour clock. And at 12 o'clock, we say this is the beginning. It's the beginning of time, 12 o'clock, as if time had a beginning, <laughs> right? As if there was a beginning and an end to time. But there's, let's again, stay with the analogy here. Let's say the beginning was 12 o'clock. We could use the Garden of Eden as an example, because in the beginning... There's perfection. We could use the Big Bang if you wish. At the beginning, there's the singularity. Everything is one. All matter, all density, all form, all time, everything is one. It's right there in the singularity. What the astrophysicists have done mathematically to rewind the clock back to the single point. But whether we use that or whether we use the Garden of Eden makes no difference. I prefer to use the Garden of Eden because it, it's a bit more playful. It's a bit more fun. <laughs> so at 12 o'clock, we're in the Garden of Eden. And we're in unity. We're in harmony. We're in the flow of oneness. Everything is. Everything is one. That doesn't mean that we're not separate. We just are not aware of our separation. Because we're not in our minds. We're not thinking. We don't have the I-ness that comes from identity, that comes from mind. So we're there existing with all the creatures, all the flora, all the fauna of the world, all of the creation. And we're in unity, we're in flow, we're in perfect harmony. And we're there for eons, eons, eons of time. And then 1201, <laughs> 1201, and you ate the apple. You ate the apple. I know, I know the mythology. The mythology is Eve ate the apple, then she gives it to Adam. Adam eats the apple, but it's you, brother. It's you that ate the apple. It's you and me. We all ate it. We're all a part of this journey. We're all one with this journey. We can't go back and say, oh, it was her fault. It was his fault, just to blame. Right? We can't go back to the singularity and say, oh, you know, the explosion was, was, was its fault. No, no, no. No, no, no. The separation was caused by you, by me, by us. There is no other. That's a part of the illusion, the part of the illusion of separation. So at 1201, you ate the apple and immediately thought, thought comes in and God comes in and he sees Adam and Eve covering themselves and says, what? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were separate? How could you think? Why, do, why are you thinking that you're separate? Why are you thinking you're ashamed? Why are you thinking? Why are you thinking? Why are you thinking? And of course, God knows the answer. God knew when he created the tree of life that there would be temptation, that there would be choice, that there would be the eating of the apple because God created choice. That's a part of the perfection. Choice is a part of perfection, just like temptation is a part of the perfection. 
There's no wrong about it. There's no right about it. It is. It is a part of the perfection. It is a part of all of it. When we anthropomorphize God, we remove his own divinity. It's a great, it's a great problem in religion, the anthropomorphication of divinity, because then we reduce God to a human being. God knew and knows all from beginning from 12 o'clock to 11.59. It's all there. It's all done. So to think that anything wrong occurred in the Garden of Eden is just heresy. It's nonsense. It's silliness. It's all correct. It's all right. It's all happening in perfection. So God comes in and looks and says, who, who told you? Why are you thinking you're, you're separate? And of course, the answer is we ate the apple. Now from 1201, from that point forward, Man, human beings have been trying to get back to 12 o'clock, <laughs> right? We've been trying to get back to unity. We've been trying to get back to that place of flow, that place of harmony, that place of oneness. And of course, in the, it says that, you know, humans, Adam and Eve were cast out. We're not cast out of a place, you know, Garden of Eden, not a place. It's here. It's here. It's now. It's all around us. It's still exactly as it was. It is. The casting out was not a casting out of a location. It was the casting out of the heart. We cast ourselves out of the heart and we threw ourselves into mind. We threw ourselves into this thinking pattern and we became lost in time and separation. And from 1201 onward, we've been trying to get back to that place, that place of heart, that place of unity, a place of oneness. This has been happening for lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. It's been happening for, there's no even way to explain the amount of time that this has been going on. No, no way to explain it. I've told you before the way the Buddha explains it, but even that, even that is, I mean, the way the Buddha explains it, the way he says it is, take the distance an oxen walks in a day, right? Which is about six miles, they say. And you, so you have a mountain. Six miles wide, six miles long, six miles high. And every hundred years, a bird with a silk scarf in its beak flies over just the top of the mountain and just brushes the top of the mountain with a silk scarf. And the Buddha said the amount of time it takes for that silk scarf to wear down the mountain, that's how long we've been doing this. That's how long we've been going after birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. Because birth and death are the same. Life and death are the same. Just like the east side and the west side is the same. Just like the tails and the heads of a coin. It's still the coin. It's still consciousness. It's still awareness. It's still there. It's still life. It's difficult to say it's still life because we, we separate life from death. We say death is not life. Okay, but there's consciousness. We're conscious of life and we're conscious of death, but we forget because we're forgetting because forgetting is the opposite of remembering. <laughs> it's balance. It's duality. It's a part of it. It's, it's all perfect. And so we've been doing this over and over and over again. And from 1201 to 559, halfway through this karmic clock, we've been trying to get back to unity through the external, through all of the world. You know, we've been collecting this and collecting that. We say, well, if I have more money, I can do it. If I have more money, I can find unity. I can find peace. I can find happiness. Say, if I have more friends, I can find unity, I can find peace, I can find happiness. If I have more power, fame, fortune, notoriety, importance, 
significance, if I have more people that respect me, if I've got more likes on my Instagram page, then I will find unity. I will find happiness. I will find peace. I've been doing this for so, so long, brothers. And some people still are. There are many, many people out there that are still there seeking unity in the world. And we could even separate this, those six hours into two other divisions. We could say that from 12.01 until 3 o'clock, there are those that do it at the expense of others. And from 3 o'clock until 5.59, there are those that do it not at the expense of others. Now, for example, maybe at 2 o'clock, you have somebody that uh, is trying to make money by uh, selling drugs or stealing cars. And at 4 o'clock, you have somebody that's trying to create fortune and fame by creating Amazon or the iPhone, you know, create, do, you know, giving something. But they're still in the world. They're still looking for that place of unity, of peace and harmony by, by collecting. We, we say between, between 12.01 to 3 o'clock, we may find somebody that is trying to create relationships by lying, by manipulating. You like me by force, <laughs> whether it be mental force or physical force. I'm going to get you to like me. I'm going to get you to be my friend. And from 3 o'clock to 5.59, you say, I'm going to create relationships by being nice, by being kind, by people-pleasing, by not being who I am, but by being who I think you want me to be. It's not that expensive you. I'm not being violent with you, lying to you. I'm just, just not being truthful. I'm not being myself. You know, There's a difference in that deception. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's where people are in their journey. That's where some people are in their journey. You may know some people like this. You may see some people like this. You may ever see them. Maybe you see them on the news. Maybe you see them in the social medias. Maybe you see them in your workspace. And the, the journey for you is not to say, oh, they're at 2 o'clock or they're at 4 o'clock or they're at 2.30 or 3. It's to say, how do you respond to your judgment of them in that space? Because it's okay. Because for them, that's where they need to be. That's where their soul needs to be to go through every single minute, every single second on this clock to get back to unity, to get back to 11.59. Because again, that bird every hundred years is flying over the top of the mountain with the silk scarf. Their mountain is just higher <laughs> than your mountain. You know, your mountain has been worn down because you've been eons and eons and eons. Or maybe it's you at two o'clock or maybe it's you at four o'clock, right? To not judge yourself, to be okay, to see it because that helps you move through the karmic clock. That helps you to relieve it, to, to let it go. But to not judge there's no better or worse. It's no better to be at 8 o'clock than it is to be at 2 o'clock. Just like it's no better to be 40 years old than it is to be 20 years old. It's just a difference in time, a difference in age. It's just an old soul, an older soul, a soul that's been through more birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, birth, death cycles. Now, at 11.59, something very significant occurs in the soul's journey. Because at 11.59, there comes a point of deep, despair, where the awakening happens to the knowledge, the knowing that there is nothing in the world that is going to bring me back 
to the Garden of Eden. There's nothing in the world that's going to bring me closer to God. There's nothing in the world that's going to reunite me with myself, which is, which is all of us. All of us are one. I am you, and you are me. To reunite with yourself is to reunite with everything. And when this deep despair happens, that's where the seed of awakening occurs. That's where grace enters. That's where you begin to open your eyes, not the eyes of your head, but the eyes of your heart. That's when you begin to hear, not with the ears of your head, but with the ears of your heart. It's when you begin to realize that it is going inward that will bring me back to myself, that will bring me closer to God, that will bring me back to the Garden of Eden, back to unity, back to flow, back to presence, back to harmony, back to peace, back to love. It's not a collection of ideas, a collection of things, a collection of people. It's not in the world. And so now a whole other game begins, <laughs> where from 1201 to 559, the game is external. You know, it's the rat race. How do I play this game? How do I get more money? How do I get more people? How do I get more fame? How do I get more likes? How do I get more things? More, more, more. How do I get more? But that, that's, that, that game ends and a new game begins. And the new game is, how do I get closer? How do I let go? How do I become aware? How do I find consciousness? How do I serve? But there's still the karma. There's still the working off of the karma. So even in this six o'clock to 11.59, there's still this desire. There's still this wanting. But the wanting becomes more clear as you let go of more and more and more of your karma, of your not-self, of your, as you do more, as you act more. Karma means action, as you take the actions to unravel. And so even through this spiritual journey, as you move from six o'clock in this deep, deep despair where the awakening happens, you begin to awaken to this predicament, this predicament that you've been living in a limited reality, that the reality you knew or thought you knew it's just a sliver. It's a, it's a fraction of a percentage of what is. You know, this idea of wealth and fame and power, notoriety, importance. This world that we experience through the five senses, it's so, so small. So small. And what is? We look at the earth in terms of the universe in space. And we could say that it's equally so in the way we view the third dimension versus the totality of what is. There's so much more. But as I mentioned before, there was a study done or there was a poll taken uh, back in 1975 a poll of Americans, a poll of everyone in the United States. It was a poll of people who've had a mystical experience. And, and the poll basically came back to two-fifths of all Americans. Two-fifths of all Americans have had a mystical experience. And of those two-fifths, 
85% of those people said it was the most powerful and profound experience they've ever had, and they never want to have it again. <laughs> so fascinating, isn't it? Because where are these people? These people are, they're in the first six hours of their karma clock. You know, they don't want to let go of who they think they are. They don't want to let go of being in their body, of being in this world. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, I, I need to continue to say this out loud because if it sounds like I'm making a judgment or if it sounds like I'm saying that these people are, are bad or wrong or, or anything negative at all, it's, it's not. It's, I'm not saying that. I'm simply stating, I'm simply telling you that when you've had a mystical experience, when you've, when you've had an experience that you cannot explain, when you've had an experience of of divinity, many, many, many people, not only do they not want to have it again, but they oftentimes, they want to rationalize it away. Oh, it was just a hallucination. Or, oh, I just lost my mind for a second. I was out of my mind for a moment. You know, they'll rationalize it away. Or maybe they'll go to a psychiatrist or someone who thinks they're a psychiatrist. <laughs> because what are, because what are we doing? We're just playing roles here anyway. What is a psychiatrist? There's no psychiatrists in the world. There's no therapists in the world. They're just people who are playing the role of therapists. There are people who think they're therapists. In order for them to think they're therapists, well, they, it has to be somebody who thinks they're a patient. It has to be somebody who thinks they need help. Again, heads and tails, warm hand, cold hand, right? It's all a part of the game. It's all a part of the illusion. So they might go to a therapist. They might go to a psychiatrist. They might take some, get some medication because they've had this, this break, this, this, this vision, this mystical experience. Because it upsets so much who they think they are when they're in that space. Now, if you're after that, if you've gone through this despair, if you've gone through this awakening, then you may be at a different place. Now you may be seeking and desiring more. You may be doing breath work. You may be doing yoga. You may be fasting. You may be praying or meditating. You, know, you might be doing medicines or drugs like LSD or, or ayahuasca. You know, you might be out there in a different way, but you're still playing the game, you see. You're still playing the game. You still think that you are not in, unif in unification. You still think that you are not one. You still think there's something more for you to do. <laughs> You're just doing it a different way. <laughs> it's still the game. As a, as a Buddha said, you know, the Buddha said, you already are the Buddha. You just are so busy pretending or thinking that you're not the Buddha. And Jesus said it too, the kingdom of heaven is within you. When you have faith, no greater than this mustard seed, you'll move, say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. You know, both of these masters said it. But yet we go on, we go on playing the game. We go on playing in the karmic clock because that is what we must do. Because that's our karma. It's what we must do. It's what our soul must do. We incarnate over and over again to relieve, to let go of, to, to reveal more and more of who we are by chipping away at what we're not. And we continue to do this. We do this life after life, death after death. And we attach ourselves to these things. We attach ourselves to life. 
So someone who is before six o'clock when they get ready to die, they say, don't let me die. Don't let me die. Save me, save me, save me, save me. I'm attached to my life. I don't want to die. Maybe they just don't say attached to my life. They say, I don't want to die. Save me, you know, hang on to life. Try to prolong our lives, you know, all these things of, you know, healthy eating and exercise and medicine, you know, hospitals, healthcare, try to prolong our lives in all kinds of different ways. But people after six o'clock do it too. It's not until about 1130. <laughs> it's not until very, very close. You know, when almost all your karma has gone, you begin to realize maybe 1030, right? You begin to realize that everything, everything is happening in harmony and perfection. It's all moving you back to the garden. It's all moving you back to unity. It's all moving you back to source. You know, where at four o'clock, you may say, yes, I want to win the lottery. Yes, I want that. But no, I don't want to be sick. No, I don't want to have, I don't want to get cancer. Fame and fortune, yes. Disease and poverty, no. When you get to about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, you realize there's no difference between the two. It's all the same. It's like the farmer and the villagers, you know. The villagers are good fortune, bad fortune. You know, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. But the farmer, ah, maybe, maybe not. You know, it just is. It's just happening. We're just here. And to go deeper with that, it's all happening in perfect harmony. I win the lottery. Great. Amazing. Thank you. I get cancer. Great. Amazing. Thank you. There's no like-dislike. There's no judgment around what's happening because what's happening is... And then we get to 11.59 and something very special happens. Now, let me roll back very quickly because, again, when I was talking about how People would say, save me, save me. When people die, you know, when you're attached to life, when you're so attached to your body, when you're so attached to your identity, when you're so attached to your things in the world, your, your cars and your friends and your family and your wealth, you know, your bank accounts, you don't want to die. You don't want to let those things go. And maybe it's not those things. Maybe you say, oh, I don't want to leave. I don't want my, my wife to be without me. You know, you're thinking about her. Like, I don't want her to be without me. But it's still like, I don't want to die. It's still coming from that same place. And in that place of resistance, you die, your voice is welcome. <laughs> you say, oh, I hear a voice, so I must not be dead. You know, the voice says, oh, well, no, you are. You are dead, right? It happened. And confusion hits Confusion because there was resistance. You know, there's attachment. Attachment to life. Attachment to things. Attachment to stuff. Attachment to people. And so you're in confusion. You can call this purgatory, if you like. You can call this the bardo states, depending on, you know, your background, your, your religious teachings. This confusion hits. And who knows how long this confusion lasts? Because there's no time in these states, in the purgatory state, in the bardo states. There's no time. It could last earth years, earth centuries. 
But then you come back, you reincarnate, you incarnate again. And why do you incarnate again? Because of your karma, because of your attachments. Because there was something that you didn't want to leave behind. So you come back to experience it again or to try to experience it again or to let it go or to learn how to let go. When you're after six o'clock, you still may be saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. But now when you hear the voice say, welcome, you say, I must not be dead. And the voice says, no, you are. <laughs> Guess again, brother. <laughs> but now instead of confusion, now you know, you say, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. Oh, because, because there's still the attachment, right? But the attachment isn't to the things. It's not to the stuff. The attachment is the attachment of getting back to source. The attachment is getting back to unity. The attachment is getting closer to God. So this time there's not the confusion. This time there is the, the working together, the assimilation, the alignment with creating your next incarnation, with creating what comes next in your next life. If you die at, at, at 7.01, then you get to, Help work and create your life at 702. But, but brothers, you won't remember. And that's a part of the divine perfection for you to forget. You must forget. You have to forget. Because if you didn't forget, you'd already be at 1159. Because you still have to work out this karma. You still have to work out and let go of this desire to get back to where you've never left. To reunify with what you've never separated from. Because we're in this state where we think we are separate. We think we are alone. We think we are individuals. <laughs> but if I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. We are one. And then 1159 comes. And 1159 is different because 1159, now you have the choice. <laughs> Again, it's all choice, isn't it? It's a choice from the very beginning. God knows. God knew. God, God is. God has always known. Choice is perfection. Now, we could talk about choice. That's a whole other podcast because do we really have choice if God already knows? <laughs> but still, to continue with this analogy, understand. You have choice at 1159. You have choice to reunite, to merge with source to go home, to become one, to experience divinity again as you are, or to reincarnate again, and this time to come back just to help others become free. And that is the Bodhisattva. That is the Christ. That is the one that comes who has no karma, who has no desire, has no attachment, and in their very presence, you become enlightened, you awaken, because they are the mirror of truth, of light, of love. And at that point, at 11.59, and you die at 11.59, at that point, no matter what choice you make, brother, now I know I may be talking way, way out there way, way out there. This is very heavy because none of us are there, right? None of us. 
I, I would assume, my assumption is because you're listening to this podcast, you're at least past six o'clock. Right? That's my assumption. I don't know, but I assume you're at least past six o'clock. If you're still listening to this podcast, you may have started listening to this podcast because you are somewhere around 5.30, 5 o'clock. You know? How do I manage my mind in a way to get what I want? <laughs> right? You may have started listening to this podcast for that reason. But if you're still listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're past six o'clock. Because otherwise, you'd be listening to some other podcast. You'd be listening to some, some other guy talk to you about how to get more money or how to get the girl or how to get more likes on your Instagram page or how to get a bigger business. So I assume you're at least past 6 o'clock. But none of us are, are, are at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or, or even 9.30, really. I'd say we're probably somewhere between 6 and, and 9. Just saying. But at 11.59, when the choice occurs, you see the truth. That the clock was an illusion the whole time. That time was an illusion the whole time. That everything wraps up into one. That you, the journeyman, the one on the journey, the one on the path, that the path itself and that the destination, the goal, we're, we're all the same. There's no separation between you, your path, and your destination. It's all right here, right here, right now. You're just pretending that it's not through the concept of who you think you are. And it's that concept of who you think you are that is the only thing that must be let go of. It's called the ego. And when the ego dies, you remember. Until next week, my brothers, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, Sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.